Hi, my son, and this is a 9320 special podcast. It's title deciding day. Well, sort of. City play Liverpool at the Etihad, and I've got Joe Green with me for an overall temperature check to see how we're doing, how we're feeling, all of that business. Morning, Joe. Morning, Aeson. How are we? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we're going to talk about over the next however long we talk for. But um, yeah, in the main, I've uh, I've woken up pretty pretty relaxed. I went for a I went for a run this morning, which uh, I think was necessary. I like to big game days if I can. I do like to go for a run. I think it's uh, I think it's the right way to start the day, and it, it staves off any any potential anxiety or nerves that there could be. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling very good. What about you? Uh, yeah, feeling good. Looking forward to the day ahead. Uh, subscribe to the theory of getting some exercise in before a big day. I think it's definitely uh, good for, for mind and spirit. So, <clears throat> looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, look, first question, how are the nerves? How are the nerves? Um... I would say my nerves are positively nervous, if that makes sense. <laughs> Excitedly nervous, okay. as I would describe it. Okay. I think. Um, and the reason being, I, I'm fairly confident. Mm. I think everything's in place to for this to be a very big day for us. Um, but obviously, with games of this magnitude the downside to a bad result is can be so big obviously that leaves a big um a, a, you know like a stone in your stomach isn't it so let's see how we go but i'm i'm, I'm confident positively well, nervous look um is it really a title decider today so if there's a winner do you think that the winning team will win the title I don't think it's 100% guaranteed by any means, especially when you look at the fixtures and, and the, the teams that are in both sets of fixtures and what they've got to play for still. Uh, but I think from a psychological perspective uh, and also going into the FA Cup semi-final, it, it could definitely, in my opinion, give one of the teams an edge. And, and the reason for that is I think when you look at where teams have competed historically in the past, where they're, they're in the running for two, three competitions, I think back to obviously Arsenal and United in 98-99, I think that Giggs winner in the semi-final, as an example, clearly gave United mm. a boost and an edge going into the games after that. And I think that's what we could potentially see, but it, it won't decide it by any means. Cause there's still mm. a lot of football to be played. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit my feeling as well. I I think that the whole title decider thing is 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 a little bit overblown. I, I think that I don't know how many Liverpool have won on the bounce so far, um, but they'd have to be. I think I've said from the beginning that if they win, if they win every game, yeah, including today, I'll take my hat off. They deserve the title, but it will be, you know, make. It'll be a historic run of wins that, that they'll have to put together uh, for that to happen. And I think, you know, they, they've got some games that, you know, ultimately Everton might be crap, but that's a derby and they've got something to play for. I think you're seeing yeah. with Spurs and, and, and what Conte's done there that Spurs will be a real, real threat uh, when they play Liverpool. Unfortunately for us, 
Man United are shite, so they're not going to do anything. But um, I think that's one thing. And I look, I think the other thing is that, you know, I, I, I imagine that both managers are saying to the squads, today doesn't, des- today doesn't decide it. Because I think that that can have uh, a negative effect even for the, uh, for the winning team, if that makes sense. In that, you know, if you go in and put everything into the idea that if we win today, that's it, then, then after you put so much in, that there's still plenty of games to play and there's a lot of competitions to play in and it can it can have the opposite effect where a week later you can go and drop points in a stupid place because you put so much into this game that there's a natural sort of drop off after you win the game so i imagine that both managers will to some degree be playing down the idea of title decider uh, I guess for Liverpool there's more pressure in terms of because we are because we are one point ahead. But I wonder. Let me ask you something, right? I've just thought of this. Do you think Klopp would take a draw? Um, if he offered it him right now, given the form they're in, that's a very good question. That because um, I mean I, I think that the the reason I ask it is because. Um, for City, dropping points is is not necessarily a big game thing. Dropping points tends to be a off day thing, if that makes sense. You look at the Palace game, for example, where you just you hit the post a bunch of times, and you know you miss open goals and all that sort of business, and suddenly you've you've dropped two points that you that you didn't mean to drop. Um, yeah. Do you think that maybe? They look at City and they go, well, City aren't perfect. And if we can stay just a point behind them, they will drop another two somewhere. Or do you think that he feels he's got to win it? I think, to be honest, I don't think, obviously, depending on how the the game goes, if they're 2-0 up and then we equalise in the 94th minute, it would be two points dropped for them, wouldn't it? But Mm. I think the reality is, I think as it stands now, if if he comes out of this game without a defeat, it still leaves them realistically in a good position. They're still in all the competitions and the one point behind the team off the top if it's a draw. Um, I think realistically, knowing how Klopp lines up, I think they'll be seeing it as a real opportunity to, to lay down a marker and go top today with a pretty emphatic win in the season. So... If I was in, if I was in his shoes, I don't think I would take it. Now, having, I think any opportunity to go first, how I would put it, for example, if roles were reversed and say we had Liverpool's squad, and but obviously Pep was manager still, I, I would want to win today, just because. You don't think the fact that 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 they're away, it has some bearing on it. I mean, that's what you've just said there. Like, to put it bluntly. It's going to take some some big balls to turn up at the Etihad, play with... Because I think that... I have the feeling that he's going to drop to a mid-block. I don't think that they're going to play with their line as high as they normally do. Because that's, you know... That's... That will take that will take some some big balls. And also, the way that they've defended in the last three months, I think that's a risky strategy to to take against City. I think that if you leave that much room in behind, 
and your line is a little bit ragged. You see what I'm driving at? Like, yeah, hundred percent. But I'm I'm thinking more of a case of without going into the specifics of the actual game. If, if you if you're talking right now and you say to Jurgen Klopp, we will one hundred percent guarantee you a point before this game. I don't think he'd take it because I think he would still fancy his chances of okay. just the, the way Liverpool are and the, the artillery they have mm. of coming away with a win somehow. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that a point wouldn't be a good result for them because, like you say, we have been prone since New Year to, to drop points here and there. But, to be fair, you can also make the, the argument once they've dropped points, their run's ended, isn't it? They're not necessarily as infallible, even yeah. though it's Manchester City away. The momentum in football, as we know, is cut. So, yeah, we uh, should cut that momentum today. That that so, yeah. that that would be the big thing for me. Look, looking at this game, um, just from a, it's for me, it's it's almost not about the points. It's about the psychology of of what happens today, and which is why I think that certainly from from Jurgen's point of view. I mean, there's a risk. There is always risk reward in football, um, but I wonder whether he looks at um, the how how high their defensive line is, how ragged it's been at times, yeah. and he just goes, you know what? I have to show City and Guardiola the respect of dropping this line by 15 yards because if I don't, it it could invite a kind of because I, th- I think the, the flip side of it is that I, part of me feels as though if City win today, I think it's over then. Yeah, I think it would go a long way. Because Definitely. I think four Psychologically points. Psychologically, especially. Yeah, because I think it's it's a hammer blow. And it's weird because it's like the way that City played this season, um, we're not running away with games. Yeah, we're, we're almost backing ourselves to see games out if we've gone ahead. Now, we didn't go ahead at Anfield. Um, but were we to go ahead here, it would be a very, it would make the game very, very interesting. And I think that Jürgen might, he may well analyse all of that stuff and go, what we don't want to do is go a goal behind because they have shown this season City, well, we haven't dropped points once we've gone ahead in a Premier League game. So yeah, it almost tells you almost tells you everything you need to know about how we would view it were we to go to go a goal ahead. Yeah, I think um, another point I would make, Aysan, is um, I, I think today that first goal, I've been thinking about this a lot this week, I think the first goal, specifically if it comes from us, will play a key part. I think we're so confident and set in the way we play and the record that we have. I do... I do think you would back us to then go on and I mean even in games like the Derby where United pulled the goal back you still felt like we were in total control once we had that mm. first goal and, and we would come back into it and and get the win and, and like you say you make a good point we went behind at Anfield against the run of play for me um, and we were half done by that day with the Milner incident etc and we still come away with something so yeah I think the first goal today and I would back us to get it to be honest I think I've watched Liverpool closely in a couple of games since the turn of the new year because I try not to watch them because I find myself getting frustrated. Uh, and those goals were West Ham at Anfield, uh, game, sorry, West Ham at Anfield and uh, Arsenal at the Emirates. Mm. 
And before they won both of those games, I think you could argue a very strong case that West Ham and Arsenal, if they'd have been more clinical, they could have got at least a point from those games, if not more. Um, And you would expect City, with the amount of pure chances we create, to take one of those with the quality we have. So... Fingers crossed we, we do that <laughs> and, we, and we get in front. Um, so, do you enjoy... Uh, Sam Lee's done a piece in The Athletic uh, asking the question. He did a poll last week, which I figured would end up being a, a, a piece this weekend. And it's basically um, framed around our title race is enjoyable. Um, we've had 11-12 was tight. 13-14... Um, was, you know, we, 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 we had games in hand, but we were behind and had to come from behind and it was tight. Uh, you look at 18-19 and that was, you know, crazy tight. So we've, you know, the overwhelmingly vast majority of our title races have been, have been very, very tight. Um, do you, have you enjoyed them? Do you enjoy them? Is there even a sense that they were enjoyable because City were coming from a place of less pressure and maybe now they're less enjoyable because there's a bigger expectation? Um, so I break it down. To, so I think the Mancini title, the first one, 11-12, after we lost at Arsenal. Um, ashamed to say it in hindsight, but I'd, I'd given up on that one. I thought it was over given that United had Ferguson in place and they're so experienced at closing them out. Um, so that was a bonus, if you will, that we came back to win that. 13-14, even when we lost at Anfield, I think given, if you remember the giddiness, like with, with the fans and Gerard around the pitch, you just felt it was so, for me, unlike a title-winning team. You know, City at this point, if, if they were to win today, for example, you wouldn't expect them to be around in a huddle saying, this does not slip from here. It'll mm. just be that game's done on to the next one. So that, that gave me a bit of hope and it proved to be the case because ultimately we know what happened with Liverpool. Uh, and obviously, 17-18 was just the, <laughs> the season of our dreams in terms of the football we played. And then we come to the modern era um, with Liverpool, obviously barring last season. Um, I enjoy them when the final whistle goes and we're top of the table again, <laughs> if that makes sense, uh, game to game. Um, but the, when I get stressed out with these, and I did reply to Sam Lee's tweet, the way I always think back to is the alternative is I know this can be very cliche for, for a City fan to say, but you can go back to uh, Stuart Pearce, 2006-7, not scoring a goal from home and just being utterly depressed with what you're watching. And then you think, is it really that stressful? Is it really that, you know, destructive? Mm. Because we're, we're watching probably the best City team managed by the best City manager and the prize at the end of the road, if we pull this off, is something that was beyond all of our dreams. So for me, I do, to answer your question, I do take enjoyment in that I feel privileged and lucky that we're watching this team with this manager and this set of players. And I back them because history tells you, and I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm touching wood, but history tells you that they deliver when the pressure's on. So mm. yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that maybe, maybe, maybe there is a, a, a mildly sadistic streak inside of me because I think I do 
the bigger the pressure, the more that's at stake, the more the more I enjoy it. And it's not just football, it's in life as well. Like I think, you know, the risk and reward, that there can't be big reward without without big risks. And and I feel as though on some level I've I've always taken big risks in my life. And and so it, within the context of football, which actually it means everything and yet it means absolutely nothing. Um, there's there's almost no better way to um, there's no better way to take risks. There's no there's no, there's no safer place to have this kind of sense of massive jeopardy than than in football. And I think that is the title race enjoyable? Massively so. Even if we lose today, for me personally massively enjoyable because there's still only two points in it. Do you know what I mean? They still only need to do one dumb thing in one... Spurs need to do one thing in one game and, and, and that could be it. We'd be, we'd be back. You see what I mean? That like that, that neck and neckness of it. I mean, of course, I like a parade as well. Don't get me wrong. I love a, I love, I love a procession. Um, but I also love the, the jeopardy of, of what this is. Um, yeah. And I think that I having a... Too. I think a little bit having the, um, like having the context, right, of where we've come from, uh, I actually think sometimes can be a bad thing in the sense that I, I, and I'm not, I don't want to overly generalize, right? Um, but in some instances, what I've, what I've found with, with supporters of my age and older, um, is that there's a, there is a pessimism that comes with with uh, being a long in the tooth city fan, and so I see that some of them don't really enjoy this the way that I do, um, and I wonder whether it's because they just you know they can't shake the feeling that what can go wrong will go wrong because that's city. Um, whereas I look at into them. yeah, I, I look at some of the younger supporters. And I feel that maybe they do enjoy it a little bit more because, yeah. you know, it kind of, that I imagine that by living in the prism of city have only ever been good, city have only ever been successful, right? That you don't worry that much because it's like, well, you know, even if in the end Liverpool win every game and they win the title, we'll be back next season and we'll sign exactly, some players yeah. this summer. And, you know, there's a, there's a general, um, optimism around city uh which i, I think it, it for me i think it's a really <clears throat> it's a really easy way to take the sting out of any big game is to just go well we're not here by fluke or by chance this isn't our only chance to win a premier league title or a champions league we're so solidly built we have such a good manager and we have such a, a good squad of players not just in terms of quality but in terms of mentality as well that you know they can they can go again next season if they uh, if it doesn't if it doesn't go right for us this season um, and maybe that's maybe that's a bit too zen. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that does remove a little no. bit of the jeopardy of of football that makes people feel alive. But it's it works for me. Hey Sam, let me ask you: like, as a football fan, do you ever feel more alive? than when City are neck and neck like this in a title race or when the 
two nil down at Gillingham and, and the, <laughs> the the jeopardy of what's at risk. It, it's what football's about. It's the it's it's the the. Being two one down to QPR going into injury time, of feeling so low and, and dejected to the complete opposite within minutes, it's it's the reason it's the only sport in the world that can, in my opinion, in my life, it's been the only thing, never mind sport in life in general, that that can take your emotions from one extreme to the other like a roller coaster in minutes, mm. and you're never more alive than when you're in these situations because of what's at risk. And that's what ultimately makes it enjoyable. It's what we're all in it for, in my opinion. Definitely. It's the highs and the lows. So, and I, I think the other I, thing is that it's it's about achievement and it's about how you frame the achievement. And I think that as lovely as it is to run away with a league title and, and have it won in April, I think it almost becomes uh, and feels like a bigger achievement when it's a race and there's somebody breathing down your neck. I mean, look, so Guardiola and Klopp have both said that, uh, having the other, having the other team has pushed them on to greater heights, uh, both as a collection of players and also as, as managers, as the two managers. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I would. I think when, especially from Liverpool's perspective, because Liverpool without City, I think don't win the league in um, nineteen twenty on ninety nine points. I think they'd have won it between probably eighty six and ninety ish. I think the fact that we've set the bar with, with the standard in the in the two prior seasons with the hundred and then the ninety eight, we laid down a marker that now if if you're going to be top dogs in this country, that's the standard you have to set, mm. um, and. I think it applies more to them, in my opinion, despite how the media will play it, because we've won, what, three of the last five titles. So mm. I see it as, and maybe this is a bit arrogant on my part, I see it as they're playing in our era. If you look at the pots that have been put on the board. Oh, they are. Both. So, I mean, obviously our mainstream media friends would never portray it like that, but that's how I see the reality on the ground. And the fact of the matter is, we've set the standard. Yeah. So... That answers your question. The standard now is you need between 90 and 100 points when the two teams are competing. So, for example, last year they fell away for whatever reason and we ended up winning on 86, but let's be realistic. We had the league won by mid-March. So if, if we'd have carried on in the same form, we could have reached the high 90s last year, but we didn't really need to. Um, and again, that might sound arrogant, but that's the truth as I see it. I think when, when both teams are neck and neck, when you've seen in the past, whether it be United and Arsenal, I mean, 79, 80 points used to win it. I mean, both teams have that now, don't they, by this stage of the season we're at now, more or less. So the standard has never been higher and um, it's going to be the same again. I think it's going to be mid to high 90s to Mm. lift it. Do you think, I mean, there's been a lot of talk this week. Uh, I've seen a lot of column inches uh, devoted to whether this is uh, a real rivalry whether you know where these two teams are in the pantheon of great Premier League teams, I've seen you know a lot of United fans been really rattled by the idea that you know this City team that that hasn't won a, a Champions League uh, and this it's Liverpool limited. yeah and this Liverpool team that has only won one league title are better than those historic United teams um, just from. I look. I, I tend to look at these things from a football point of view. I don't think that any of those teams could have lived with what City and what Liverpool do right now. I don't even think. 
I, th- I think it's laughable that anybody would try and suggest that those teams were as good as, as City are currently or Liverpool are currently. I just don't think they come close. Um, how would you, am I being harsh there maybe on if you look at like, you know, the United team with like Rooney and Ronaldo and I don't know, Van Persie and, you know, were they as, were they as good as City or Liverpool currently are? I think if you, so the example I would take, obviously Mr. Mitten uh, thinks trophies won in the, in the 60s, you know, obviously dictate the quality of arrival in the modern day. He's rivalry. a clown though, like he's but, just like a next level clown, that guy. Like he's just, he's the, yeah. he's, the perf- he's the perfect encapsulation uh, of, of, of why like United fans are just an absolute disgrace. Do you know what I mean? It's just, they well, talk I've, like... They've not won anything for like, I don't know, like five years or something like that. This is not the bad days. Do you know what I mean? Like being in the top six or the top eight at a Premier League every year and having the, 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 the biggest wage bill in the league and all that sort of business. These are not hard times. They're only hard times if you feel entitled to a title. To win everything. Yeah, exactly. And that sort of entitlement just makes their pain a bit more delicious. Sorry, I cut you off, but I had to, no, I had to get no. my little mitten rant off. Go on. So good. I'm sure he's comforted himself overnight in his uh, Cantona pajamas, watching the <laughs> season on VHS. The fact that that tweet dropped two hours before they lost to Everton was just oh, it was just prime United. That prime United. Anyway, yeah. go on. And irrelevance. Um, so uh, to answer your question, uh, uh, the example I would take is United's treble winning team. Mm. I mean, the, the back partnership. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Stam and Janssen. Stan was a fantastic player, but I don't think they're keeping Salah, Mane, Schotter, Kevin De Bruyne, Foden at bay. I think we'd wipe the floor with them uh, mm. from a pure football perspective, especially City. We, we, we dominate games from minute one to 90. If you look at the, their points totals for winning league titles and, and they get antsy when you say this to them, like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's about what you want at the end of the season. Well, it does matter because we set a standard now where if we drop points to Crystal Palace away, it feels like a defeat. They drew at Anfield um, in the last month of the season, the tr- in the treble season, and still went on to win the title. That 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 would cost you the title between mm. these two teams in this rivalry, and and it, the standard has been raised, and they don't like it because it doesn't involve them at the end of the day. But no, for me, they, they don't stand up. To, to, to answer your other question, I think the United team um, that last won the European Cup with. Rooney, Tevez, Ronaldo. I think if you put them in the modern era, I, I do think they have the quality to, to, to maybe rise to the points tallies we're talking here. Cause I think you, your teams, what you're putting on the board is subjective to the rival that's pushing you, as I said earlier. Um, but I, I don't think, um, any of the other, you know, United, Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal invincibles, 90 points, fantastic on the eye, but. They were always liable to, oh, was it 12 draws? Again, you don't see City or Liverpool doing that, do you? No. So, no. And I just think, I mean, I think one of the things that, so uh, this week I've, I've, I've watched extended highlights of, of, of some of the City Liverpool games in the last, in the last few years. And the thing that really jumps out at me is that the, the intensity and the pace at which those games are played is, almost like nothing I've ever seen before. I mean, maybe you can take the... I think, in a way, the kind of... The, the classico 
um, Madrid, Barca with Mourinho and and uh, and Guardiola, yeah. yeah, is is maybe that level of intensity, um, but it was different in the sense that in many respects. Mourinho's Madrid were still a Mourinho team, yeah? And they weren't necessarily a team that were there to play football. I think with City and with Liverpool, what you've got is two teams that play slightly differently, but still they come to play football. Um, yeah, yeah. And the the level of of quality that you that both teams and I think in, in a way you saw that at Anfield as well earlier this season, but I think the the level of quality that both teams show they show because of the level of quality that the opposition shows to them. It's it's quite a, a it really is quite a sight to behold. And I think it's it's interesting because uh, again, I like to wake up on a, on a big match day um, and read the papers. Just you know, see get get yourself in the mood a little bit. And and I was quite disappointed this morning that you know, considering the considering the level that the, these two teams are at. Uh, considering the coaches, considering the players that are involved, um, it, it's it's very quiet. I mean, you know, Sam's done a thing on 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 title run-ins, which isn't really specific to to today's game. And there's very little that I've seen really that is specific to to today's game in this morning's papers, um, and that's. It surprises me because you'd think that there'd be, uh, not just for City, but for Liverpool as well, you'd think that there'd be a bit more applause uh, for for what these two teams represent right now. Um, yeah, what do you think? I think it's football played at the, the uh, optimal level. I, I don't think there's ever been two teams playing when they play each other at such a high level I mean as a supporter I don't I can only speak for myself but I come away from these games mentally and physically drained from Mm. watching it just because of the level and and just like you said earlier the jeopardy that one single mistake in these games can can cost you dearly and and the fact that these these 22 players go out there and and from minute 1 to 90 every time they play each other they play it an incredibly high level. I, I go back to um, in terms of intensity, the the game in January twenty nineteen when Sane got the winner. I think it's the highest level of of quality I've watched in terms of even if you look at Liverpool's goal when they scored the build up play, yeah, and then you look at our goals at Sane and Aguero and and just the level of the game and the tactical. It's it's just brilliant. I know we get sucked into it naturally as Blues, but when you sometimes if you step away and look at the level that's that we're watching. And I don't think it will necessarily be thoroughly appreciated until Klopp and Guardiola are both gone and these teams are consigned to the history books. You'll look back, because I think there's a romanticism sometimes about previous football rivalries. Absolutely. I think when you look at this, for me, it, it's just peak football. And we're privileged and lucky to have it in our league and we're privileged as City fans to be, you know, backing one of the teams involved. I, I just think it's brilliant. I agree, and I think you know it's something that sometimes within the context of 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 the rivalry between the modern rivalry between City and Liverpool, um, I think we we do tend to downplay the opposition, and they do the same. It's 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 natural, um, but I think if you take if you take a step back and you look at it as a whole, it's inc- that they are two incredible football teams, 
in the history of, of top division football uh, in England, these what these two teams are doing and have done over the last three or four years is uh, uh, is nothing short of of remarkable, really. Um, yeah, I also uh, think it's pushed English football to to the levels we're seeing in, on the European stage now. Yes, because I think the level's so high since these teams have almost come into combat with each other that the teams, even that you've seen, like get to finals and win it, like Chelsea and Spurs. I think it trickles down if you will because the level has improved so drastically since these two have started competing for the major honours I think I think in particular benefited I agree I think in particular um, again this is not to, it's not a dig a clock this but I think Guardiola's impact on English football is evident um, not just yeah, in the, the national League. team as well yeah it's just evident it's evident uh, down the divisions that that people want to play from the back you know, you look at, uh, I, I seen, I seen, uh, whenever I see Brighton play, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's really a, a, a great example of a team for me who clearly on some level, uh, level are influenced by Guardiola yeah. football. And, and, you know, we should be careful about Guardiola just took what Cruyff did and, and, and took it to another level. Like, you know, there, there is a, a, a lineage to, to, to this type of positional possession football that goes that goes back before Pep, but Pep has really brought it to England, and yeah, the 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 influence is absolutely evident right right throughout the uh, the division. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's let's begin a little bit to look at the game later. Um, what sort of what sort of nick are City in going into this game? Like in terms of form, I mean, obviously from a fitness point of view, with the exception of Diaz and Cole Palmer, uh, we have a fully fit squad, right? Yeah. So in terms of form, how do you, how do you where are we? Um, in terms of form, if you look at it purely from from a results perspective, I think we've lost one game. Um, since October, which was Spurs at home. I think the individual performances have been a bit up and down in, in the game since the turn of the new year. So I think, for example, if you look at when we, we drew at Southampton 1-1, I think we played quite well that day. And then I also look at when we played at Everton away. I would say that was one of our poorer performances, but we did mm. the business. Uh, Palace, another one where we dropped points. I think it was a better performance in Everton away, but still not perfect. Uh, but then you've also had a mixture of performances like United at home, where I thought we were excellent uh, midweek, despite what some have said. I thought we were brilliant. Um, so I think overall, when, when you when you add it all up, I think we're in good form. Um, we're getting over the line in most games, and in some games like the derby, we're we're cruising over the line. Um, so when I put all that together, I'd say we're we're in a good place going into this game. Certainly better than. You know, if we'd have dropped more points than we have done. Um, so, to answer your question, the Nick City are in. I think we're in a good place going mm. into these final this final stretch. Not so you. Think, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, I think uh, I think before the last international break, I think even though we slapped Southampton four one in the uh, in the FA Cup, there was a lot of grumbling about the performance. There was there was a lot of from from Blues, there was a lot of sort of you know we uh, th- that scoreline flattered us and we weren't very good, and that came off the back of the nil nil 
um, against Palace in the nil-nil against Sporting. So I think there was a sense going into that international break that City aren't really in great nick, that, you know, even if we're getting results, the performances aren't there. Uh, I think yeah. the heartening thing is that you that we come back and I thought we were excellent against Burnley um, and I thought we were excellent yeah. against Atletico. And, and that gave that that's given me a little bit more in terms of going, you know what? I think we're I think we're in a good spot here going into going into this game. Um I kind of look at the the two clean sheets against Burnley and Atletico and, and that's that's everything that we've I've said this a few times, everything that we've we've built this season and and also last season, I think it started last season, is built around uh, clean sheet. It's built around the the kind of the solidness uh, of the of the defense. And again, for me, uh, it's not about the back four. It's about how we defend as a team. When we defend as a team, we're in the right way. It's very difficult to create chances uh, against yeah. us. And that's not to say that individual performances today won't be important. But I think the 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 collective will be will be just as just as important. Um, how do you see Liverpool lining up? So front three, I'm let's start there. thinking about this a lot. My gut feeling is it'll be um, Mane, Jota and Salah. So you don't think Diaz starts? No, I think he'll come off the bench. Okay, interesting. I think he's a very useful impact. So I think that's, that's one key area they've improved from 18-19 is the mm. options they have to bring on. So yeah, I think they'll they'll go with more of the traditional three. And what about the um, what about their midfield three? Obviously, F- Fabinho, Fabinho and Henderson both start for me. So is Thiago fit? Um, I've not heard that he isn't. Okay. And he's been playing quite well recently. Whenever I've watched him, he's been one of the more standout performances, like at the Emirates. So I'd expect him to be in. Obviously, okay. a big game player. And then their um, back four picks itself, doesn't it? Alexander Arnold, Matip, Matip, not Matic, Matip, Van Dijk, and uh, and the most slappable player in the Premier League, uh, Andy Robertson. Horrible, horrible man. Um, <laughs> um, I've, what do you reckon to Canate? Do you reckon there's any chance? Because he, no. he got gold in the midweek. No, no chance. No, no I, think that, I think that I think from 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 what I've from what I've read of that that Benfica game, uh, he, he was a bit all over the shop defensively. Bambi on ice. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, they got, you know, I think his first couple of games, they got really excited. And in the back of my head, I'm going, listen, Mangala in his debut against Chelsea was imperious. And, and we know how that went. So you've kind of got to take your time with, with centre-backs, particularly young centre-backs coming from coming from a, a, a new league. There's there's very yeah. few that hit the ground running the way that uh, the way that Ruben Diaz hit the ground running for us. Uh, that's for damn sure. Um, all right. So... Try and try and do the impossible and oh, uh, and pick a city team. This is where I struggled on my debut, so I'll try and give it a better effort this time. Um, obviously, Edison in goal. I was discussing this with my mate the other day, and it's it's extremely harsh on Ake because he's been superb, hasn't he, over the last couple of weeks? But for me, I think he'll revert back to uh, Cancelo on the left. I think we'll see Stones in Laporte. Um, 
centrally because he trusts them in these big games and they've been there and done it against Liverpool uh, and Kyle Walker will come back in on, on the right that's how I see defensively um, do you want to discuss each area or do you want me to keep going through the whole team no I mean I, I, I would I would go along with that I mean <laughs> at the risk of at the risk of uh, uh, upsetting Ali Fogg, uh, who who doesn't want any jiggery pokery in the, I love that phrase by the way. Every time he says it, it's like it's like the politest way of going. Don't mess with the team, Pep. It's like I don't want any jiggery pokery, Pep. Um, yeah, I, I I do wonder whether Guardiola doesn't. I mean, look. So if you look at the right hand side and the left hand side, right, you would you would imagine. Liverpool's right and left. You would imagine that Salah definitely starts. And then the question mark is uh, whether Diaz plays on the left, Jota plays on the left, or Mane plays on the on their left. And I just wonder whether Guardiola d- doesn't decide to throw Ake in at left back again. Now, it leaves him with a headache because then do you really drop Cancelo and play mm-hmm. Walker? Or do you play... Do you play... I mean... I, if you wanted to be conservative about it, you could play Ake and Walker. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that he will yeah. do that, yeah. But I'm saying if you wanted to be conservative about it, you could play you could play Ake and Walker, and you could go, all right, we we, we can by being solid, we back ourselves to the for the attacking players to create enough without Cancelo on the pitch um, to score a goal, and that back four then gives you incredible defensive solidity. Now I'm not saying that he will do that, but in terms no, of you're coming from. jiggery pokery, yeah, that's that's almost the sort of jiggery pokery that you might that you might see from uh, from Pep. From Pep. Mm. See, I think he'd back his he'd back his creative players all the time. I think it's yeah, his nature. Definitely. So I think we'll see Cancelo in there, and that's the type of player who couldn't you know make the key difference at the end of the day in a game like this. So. Yeah, and I think Walker definitely plays for me. I think Kyle's had. Oh, it's got to. Yeah, he's had, he's had, he's had, he's had a, <laughs> he's had a nice sit down in uh, in midweek. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so no, I, I think that he, uh, I think that he starts definitely. Um, Do you know what? As well, it's just, it's just that the nature of our high line. I think we're going to take the game to Liverpool today, so we're naturally going to have our our high line in place. And when you lose that ball in transition, he's just always there, isn't he? I think mm. if you look back, it, it, we don't even sometimes acknowledge it anymore because we're so used to him doing it. That if he was to be out of the team, imagine how many more goals we'd probably concede. Probably I think that between I think five almost, and ten a season. Yeah, I think almost the biggest challenge that City are going to face is replacing Walker, uh, yeah. or replacing his the qualities that he brings to the team. Because maybe Cancelo goes over the, uh, the right, but he brings certain qualities to the team. Athletically, he's the best exactly. fullback Premier League's ever seen by a country mile for me. Exactly, exactly, and that's what they've got to go out and find again. I think because I think you do. You've seen how important that is, not just in the Premier League, but particularly the Champions League, the big games. You look at, for example, Walker against Mbappe, and and yeah, and, and, and outrageous one. It's just it's he's he's freakish. Kyle Just to go slightly off topic, though, that's why I would be uh, keeping a firm eye on what's going on at Chelsea with uh, Mr. Reese James. Yeah, for sending feelers out, but that's off topic. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I will go along with that. He looks, he looks quite the player. He does. Um, but to be honest, I think that uh, I think that Chelsea will be. Uh, 
I think they'll be more okay. or less fine. I think that they'll that, that it's pretty clear that there's a bunch of billionaire yanks that want to buy that want to buy Chelsea. I think that there's a a, a pedigree to Chelsea that and there's a, a kind of a, a depth to both the squad and the players that they've got out on loan that you know they don't necessarily need to go and spend uh, hundreds of millions to remain competitive in the no. um, in the short term. No, it's more of a pie in the sky, but it's what I was, you know, if, if I could have my pick of a future successor, I think he would be the one. But yeah, definitely to come back on point, Kyle's got to be in for me. Okay. So then midfield. Yes. Midfield. Um, this is the really difficult one for me, Aeson. Um, Rodri's got to go in. Um, De Bruyne will be in. And then that third spot, it, it's. I think given his history and, and his performances against this lot and he seems to have a natural uh, disdain for them, shall we say, uh, I'd go with Bernardo. Okay. Front three. Phil Foden. Yeah. I've got a feeling we may well see Gundo. A false nine, just because of the nature of his performance. Feet Burnley seems to be slipping back into those positions, and he's obviously trusted one hundred percent by the manager. And then on the right, I think I'd go Maris. I mean, poor is a slip up between him and Sterling, mate. That's some jiggery pokery that is throwing, uh, yeah. throwing, uh, throwing Gundo in at false nine is some heavy jiggery pokery. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a very difficult one to call. I think that you can almost make an argument for every player that we have in the front three, um, maybe with the exception of Grealish. Yeah. Do you know what, though, Aeson? I wouldn't be sorry to cut you off. I wouldn't be surprised to see something completely out of left field and see Jesus going. I said that last week, didn't I? Yes. I think I think he's just sneaking more and more back into the plans, isn't he? And he's getting more minutes. Well, and I he think, trusts him, doesn't he? I think that he obviously he started at Anfield, right? I think that he do, he does give you uh, an energy. Uh, he does give you an up and downness, and if you want to. Count Sadio Mane and Mane's playing on the left, then I can see why you do that. But to be honest with you, it's a little bit like the Walker uh, Ake shout that, that I made that ultimately at home you expect Pep to back his creative players. Benching yeah. Mares or Sterling for Gabriel Jeez. Jesus at home feels like a very conservative Pep thing to do. Particularly when Jesus hasn't played much football and doesn't look like he's in any sort of form whatsoever. Um, no, I, I, I don't see. I, I don't see him doing that. I think that you can obviously you can make the argument, but I think. Do you think Grealish has got a chance? Yes, because of his ball carrying skills okay. um, under pressure, and I, he does have a chance. I don't think you can say he doesn't. I mean, he's. I just feel like Grealish, as and I said it. I'm pretty sure I said it last week. I think he's got a big moment in him in one of these big games this season. Mm. 
I really do. And I think when you look at, I know it's a totally different kettle of fish, but when he played um, out on the left and the link up with Bernardo v United in that first half, pretty much destroyed Wambasaka, didn't they, together? Mm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the team. It wouldn't be my pick going into this game, but equally, what's not your surprise pick? at all if it what, is. What, what's the front three that you'd like to see? I'm always a big fan of the of the front three we went with in the Champions League run um, last year. I think I think that's our most um, peak performance, if you will. So Foden left, I like Mares on the right, and then I'm, I'm pretty easy on the false nine um, situation. But I think Sterling. I know I said Gundogan earlier, but I, I just have a feeling Sterling's going to be shoehorned in. Um, but I'm not sure how that impacts Mares. I think that's a bit yeah. disrespectful to say that he he would be shoehorned in. I think that you know, I think his. When I say shoehorned, last... though, I mean which. If Maris is playing, where are you sticking Sterling? Because is going to be out wide, isn't he, on the right? Well, I think it's I think it's either or. Um, well, no. So here's my here's my left field shout. Right, my left field shout is that. Uh, Phil plays on the left, Mares plays on the yeah. right, and Sterling plays through the middle. Right? That, yeah. that basically you've got that because then you've got the ability to just swap the two. Yeah. If it's not working, put Foden at false nine and put Sterling out on the left. On the left. Yeah. Yeah. And that and it's a much more um fluid. It's fluid, but also it's very direct. It's very, very direct front three. If you play, if you play those three, and it isn't necessarily, you know, the it's not the control maybe that Grealish gives you, but it gives you it gives you something else. At the same time, I can see Guardiola looking at this game and going, "I want control more than anything else," and so I'll put Grealish left, I'll put Foden in the in the false nine, and then I'll toss a coin for Mares and and Sterling on the right. Um, Sterling starts on the right against Burnley, doesn't he? Um, yeah, and, and he's brilliant. And, and he looks brilliant. And the link-up between him and Kev is, is really excellent. So maybe, maybe Mares is the one that, that misses out. But it's so hard to... I mean, it's so it's so difficult to... I think it's a, I think it's a good positive headache for Guardiola to have, where you look at Foden, you look at Mares, you look at Sterling, and you look at Grealish, and you go, all four of those guys uh, have qualities... That absolutely will be needed in this game, and you've you've got a perm three from from that four. I think that's a good problem to have. I think as well how I would be looking at it if it's similar to say January nineteen and it's tight and we're edging the game to one. What better player to bring off the bench than Grealish? Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that'll be in his mind. Yeah, definitely. I've just got a feeling. I know. I know. I said before, but I just. I see, I've seen Gundo sneaking back in, and I've, I don't know. He just to me, he's always been a player he trusts in these massive games. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something with him today at all. Well, I mean, so is there is there a possibility that we see Sterling right, Foden left, and then all the midfielders? So Rodri, KDB, Bernardo, Gundo, interchange. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interest it's an interesting one. I'd what would I like? What would I like to see? Yeah, give me your your starting eleven if Asan's the manager. How do you line up today? Walker, Stones, Laporte, 
Cancelo, Rodri, KDB, Gundo, Sterling right, Foden left, and Bernardo is the false nine. Interesting. Yeah, because I think that I like the idea that you stick Sterling and, and, and Foden on the two wings, you play them really high and really wide, and you tell them both uh, to cheat. Yeah, so you tell the you, you tell you tell the players behind them to to deal with the fullbacks, and you tell you tell Foden and Sterling to cheat when they're when Liverpool's fullbacks go forward. Yeah, because then you make you make yourself massively dangerous in the uh, in the transition. Yeah. I think the other thing, um, Foden's been incredible playing from uh, playing from wide areas against Liverpool. So I really like the idea it. of that. Uh, I think Sterling has been really good at the Etihad against Liverpool. And I think that he, his form in the last month has been such that you almost feel like he's got a big goal in him coming somewhere down the line. Um, so yeah, I think that I would play what I class to be all the midfielders. Yeah. Do the false nine things where you've got KDB, you've got Bernardo, you've got Gundo and you've got Rodri. And then I play Sterling and I play Foden, uh, in the, uh, in the two wing positions, and what it gives you is it gives you Mares and Grealish from the from the bench, yeah, yeah, and they they are both players of of immense quality. And whether you're whether you want to hold on to a lead or you want to go and chase a goal, I think that they both have the ability to change the the dynamic of the game. So yeah, I think I think that's that's how I that's how I see us. That's what I would like. I'd like to see us do. Um, and also because I think that with Liverpool's midfield being fully fit, so Thiago Henderson, Fabinho, yeah, that in fact the fact that they they are a fully fit squad, the fact that whether no matter what I think about how open and ragged they've been defensively at times, nobody's punished them for that. So they come in with an immense amount of confidence. I think that the first aim will be for City to keep the ball and keep it well enough in tight areas when Liverpool are pressing um, to a little bit take... I think it's one of those things where... Um, and I've seen this happen in a lot of the City-Liverpool games where if Liverpool press high and City play through the press early two or three times, Liverpool's line will drop immediately, yeah? Because they'll see. They'll be they'll be like, well, we, they've just played through us two or three times. We can't, we can't be that open. We're going to have to drop the line. I think on the flip side, if we try and play through the press and we don't, and they nick the ball off us two or three times and the game becomes a little bit, you know, that, the... the Ping not, pong. Yeah, a little bit that type of game. I think that that's going to that's gonna give them confidence. And so I, I imagine that Pep's thinking will very much be, you know what I want to do here? I want to keep the football and I want all the lads that can play in tight areas uh, on the pitch. So you want all the midfielders. I'm almost, you know, I'm almost like, does he shoehorn Grealish in? Does he take, does he go with, you know, I'll put Foden on one wing. I'll put Foden on the right, for example, and I'll put Grealish on the left and just play with all all the the, the potential number eight so that everybody is super, super comfortable in really tight areas and the, the technical level is super. Because that's the thing. The thing with Sterling is that, and with Mahrez, is that they're direct, they're dribblers. Obviously, Mahrez has got incredible technique, but ultimately he, he wants to play forwards and he wants to dribble and he wants to, you know, I think it's, I think, 
I think it's different if you play Foden Grealish and then play Rodri. You know what? I've taught myself out of my own team. <laughs> it's what I did earlier. <laughs> I've literally just taught myself out of my own team because now I'm sat here. I'm going actually. Maybe that's maybe that's what I want to see. Maybe, maybe I want to see Grealish Foden uh, as the two wide players. Yeah, or maybe I don't know. <laughs> have I got a clue, man? We have good options. I guess the the positive thing for me is that I can make an argument for different permutations to to really hurt Liverpool, and I think I think that's the that's the key. Maybe that's why I'm. You know, if I take this all the way back to the beginning, why am I relaxed? I'm relaxed because we've got options. I'm relaxed because I look at the midfield and the attack and I go, you know what? We've got options to damage them here. Yeah, I think I, I similar vein. I, I've since having this discussion, I feel more like you pretty much know defensively how we're going to play, how we're going to set. I think the way we line up gives them more of a dilemma in how they play than it Absolutely. does in vice versa. Absolutely. And that's oh, yeah. why that's why I think jiggery pokery is definitely on the cards because I think that Guardiola will know that Klopp doesn't know what to expect and therefore you might see something that you haven't seen so far this season in terms of the makeup of that front three and also what positions they take up because that's what I mean that like if you've got let's say that you play Mares Grealish and Foden. Uh, in the overwhelmingly vast majority of games where th- where we've had that lineup, uh, Foden's been the false nine and Grealish has been on the left. He could flip it. He could play the same the, the same players, but play Foden on the left and play Grealish as the false nine, which gives uh, Alexander Arnold a complete that the, the, Grealish and, and Foden the way they play wide left totally different, totally totally different. So it's a completely different headache for for yeah. Liverpool to have to think about. So. Yeah, there's a lot in... I mean, obviously, there's a lot in what Liverpool can do with their front three, but I think Salah's position is fixed in the way that, for us, we would say Mahrez's position is fixed. Um, and Diaz, I think he, if he plays, his position is fixed on the left as well for the moment. But I think with Jota and Mane, I think they've both played left and they've both played centrally this season. So it, they they also have that... Um, a little bit that being able to move them around. But I think our... I think our defence, I think, you know, Walker, Stones, Laporte, Cancelo and Rodri in front of them. I'm comfortable with whatever front three. If we play at our level, then I expect us to not necessarily I, I think Liverpool are that good that you have to give them the respect to go, no, they can they can they could score a goal. But going the other way, I absolutely think that City can score not just a goal, but a couple of goals. Yeah. I just um, don't get about them. Yeah, exactly, and I think that you know the 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 press is the 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 press of both teams, um, and then the ability for the other to play through the press decides the game almost. If that makes sense, I think that yeah. whoever whoever takes control technically in the first fifteen twenty, uh, I mean, and obviously the game will go through phases, but I think that first phase is going to be absolutely. Crucial. I always find against Liverpool that you got to get to twenty twenty five without conceding a goal, and, and yeah. then you and then you 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 almost move from there, and you almost treat the game. And we saw in Anfield that you know the the game comes in blocks, it comes in waves because both sides have just got so much quality. You know what, Joe? How the hell can you not be excited about a game like this? You feel me? It's fantastic. It's, it's what it's all about. I'm buzzing, man. Now this conversation, I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be, 
This is going to be next level, this game. Really, it's going to be next level. Right, you know what? We've done nearly an hour. I might I might even slowly begin to wrap this up. Any any final thoughts for the listeners, Joe? Feeling confident? Feeling good after this chat? I'm feeling confident. I could be just say we've gone through the team now. I think we give them more problems than they give us. And ultimately, I expect us to take the game to them, to dictate it. And as I said before, the Atletico game, games of this magnitude and of this quality it's about taking the chances when they come to you I'd back us to do it today and, and I'm confident one thing I would that I want to get off my chest is I've been seeing a lot of these um, you see the BBC before these games they do these uh, joint teams mm. a lot of City fans picking Allison over over Edison in their teams really? They all need to t- yeah they all need to take the red for a wobble man, yeah, man. I, I, what, what, what keeper in, in world football is better suited to Manchester City than Edison I mean we've seen what Allison does under pressure with the ball last year at Anfield when Foden mugged him about three times so <laughs> at the other day <laughs> we'll take the game to him and there's no reason why we won't be all very happy later on indeed. I'll leave it at that indeed I'm going to leave it at that as well um Mr. Joe Green, thank you so much. Not a problem, sir. Enjoy the game. Thank you. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was our little match day live thing to to get you all in the mood for for, for slapping the Scousers later. Um, if you go into the game or you're watching it at home, be safe, be positive, and as always, up the blues. <laughs> <laughs>